Thank you, Jennifer. An atheist was walking through the woods, admiring all the accidents that evolution had created. What majestic trees, what powerful rivers, what beautiful animals, he said to himself. As he was walking alongside the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him. And turning to look, he saw a seven-foot grizzly bear charging towards him. He ran away as fast as he could up the path, and he looked over his shoulder and saw that that the grizzly was closing in on him. And he looked again, and tears began to well up in his eyes as he was frightened to death as that bear got even closer. And his heart was pounding, and he was trying to run faster, and he tripped, and he fell to the ground. He rolled over, over to pick himself up, but when he rolled over, the bear was already on top of him with a paw raised to strike him. At that instant, the atheist cried, Oh, God, help! Time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. Even the river stopped moving. As a bright light shone upon the man, a voice came out of the sky. You deny my existence all these years. You teach others that I don't exist. And you even credit creation to a cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light and said, Well, I would feel like a hypocrite to become a Christian after all these years, but perhaps you can make the bear a Christian. Very well, said the voice. Then the light disappeared. The river started running again. The sounds of the forest resumed. And then the bear dropped to his knees, put both paws together, bowed his head and spoke. Lord, for this food for which I'm about to receive, I am truly thankful. <laughs> Psalm 14.1 is a Bible verse for all atheists. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Last week we began to dissect a very powerful verse of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. The first part of that verse reads like this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. We began to dissect that verse in a backwards fashion. We looked at the phrase, by the Word of God. How did creation come to be? By the word of God, at his command. He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He commanded it to be. We also looked at the phrase, or the word, framed. Framed, which means to be completed, to be thoroughly finished. So the world and the heavens were completely finished, created by the Word of God and completely finished. In other words, nothing had to evolve. It was done. God looked at all of His creation. He said, it's very good. And then He rested because He was finished. So we introduced at this point uh, Jeremiah 51.15, which says this, He has made the earth by His power. He has established the world by His wisdom. He stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Now, last Sunday, we looked at that first phrase, he made the earth by his power. And I began asking you 
a series of three questions. We only got to the first question. Do you remember what that first question was? Could God make everything out of nothing? Could God make everything out of nothing? What do you think? Well, the Bible says he could. The Bible says in the last part of Hebrews 11.3 that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, he took nothing to make everything. Now, the atheist and we as Christians kind of have the same supposition that everything that is came from nothing. That's what the atheists believe. That's what we believe, right? I believe that. I believe that everything that is came from nothing. That's what the atheists believe. But they leave out one important element. They leave out God. It was God who called things to be out of nothing. The atheist takes God out of the equation and said it was some cosmic accident that created and, uh, or that, that caused these things to be and evolved over time. So can God make everything that is out of nothing? We answered that last week. Of course he can. But here's the second question. Could God do that all by himself? Could he do it without any help? Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God rested. It said, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So God rested. Why did God rest? You know, I worked out in the yard Friday, got a lot of things done. Uh, well, let me say, I, I, I did a lot of things. I don't know that I got a lot of things done. How many of you know that uh, you can work out in the yard and you can do a lot and you can get tired, but you really are never done? Okay, well, uh, y'all can attest to that, can't you? Well, I was not done, but I had to stop. You know why I had to stop? I was tired. I was exhausted. And plus, it was getting dark. But God didn't rest because he was tired. Can you exhaust the unlimited, almighty power of God? Can God get tired? No, God cannot get tired. He didn't rest because he was tired or exhausted. He rested because he was done. He was finished. That's what Genesis 2 says. God was finished. Now see, our faith in God depends really on that phrase. Finished. Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis is the first person that I heard this from. But I've always believed it all my life. I just didn't put it in words like he did. He said, and if you reject Genesis 1 through 11, which is basically the account of the beginning of the world and the beginning of our faith as believers in Christ, if you discount the creation story, then you have to discount every other thing in the Bible. So the it is finished in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 points to the it is finished on the cross of Calvary. When Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. And guess what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews about that. God said over here in Genesis chapter 2, it is finished. And he did it all by himself. 
And Jesus on the cross says it is finished. And Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, by himself, he redeemed us to God. He didn't need anybody's help. He didn't need his mother's help. His mother was a special woman only because she was chosen, selected by God to bear Christ into the world. But he didn't need Mary's help to pay for the sins of the world. He didn't need Peter's help or Paul's help. And guess what? He doesn't need your help or he doesn't need my help. In other words, if I think that I can get to heaven by being a good preacher, I mock the cross of Christ. If I think that I can get to heaven by reading my Bible and praying and tithing and going to church every Sunday, then I've mocked the cross of Christ. Either Christ died for my sins once and for all and it is finished, or he didn't. But we believe as Christians that he did, and nothing I can do adds to his finished work on the cross. You don't earn your salvation. Salvation is a free gift of God, not of works, lest any of us should boast. So, could God have done this all by himself? Could he create this world all by himself? Yes. Could he accomplish salvation on the cross all by himself? Yes. You know, I don't know if you have any two or three-year-olds in your life, but we do. And y'all know her. She's my, our little precious granddaughter, Tinley. So I'm going to tell a little story on Tinley and embarrass Reed and Haley a little bit. You never know what you're going to get when your husband or your father is the pastor, but here goes. But Tinley has this idea, and, and, and she's growing. She's, I can do it by myself. I can. Y'all have any two or three-year-olds in your life? I can do it by myself. Well, we were getting ready to, we were, had gone to Reed's brother's wedding. We were in our hotel room keeping track of Tinley and Boomer, and, and we had a gallon of milk there that uh, Haley and Reed had bought for us to use for Tinley's milk. And there was this gallon of milk sitting up on the, on the countertop in the hotel room. And, and we were, I was just getting ready to open it and pour her a cup of milk. And she said, I can do it by myself. And she reached up there to grab that gallon of milk. And before I could get to her, and you know what a two-year-old, how they can't handle a gallon of milk. She pulled it off and all in the hotel room floor, a gallon of milk. That's how we are. And that's how every atheist is. They think, we think we can do it by ourselves. But there are things we cannot do by ourselves. They're too big for us, too heavy for us. And explaining God is one of those things. Listen to the scriptures about God creating all this by himself. Isaiah 44, 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. Isaiah 45, 12. I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. Isaiah 48, 12 and 13, listen to me, O family of Jacob, Israel my chosen one, I alone am God, the first and the last. It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth, my right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they all appear in order. Isn't that amazing and fascinating that this God who created everything that is out of nothing did it all by himself, all by himself. He needed no help. You see, because God is God from everlasting to everlasting. Before the earth was formed, there was nothing. There was a time when there was just God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Now, that's hard for us to imagine. It does, as one of my friends here said, it bends our minds. We can't wrap our heads around that concept. But there was a time when there was just God. And so it had to be just God all by himself to take nothing and turn it into everything that is. So can God do it, make everything that is out of nothing? Yes. Can God do it all by himself? Yes. Here's the third question. Can God keep track of all this creation? And sustain it. Nehemiah 9 6 says, You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Now listen to this in Isaiah 40, 25 and 26. To whom, God says, then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their hosts by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Not one is missing. Let me give you some practical illustrations of this. The Bible says that the Lord knows the numbers. He counts the stars. He knows the numbers of the, the number of the stars. And he calls them each by name. Now, how many of you have ever tried to count the stars on a clear night? You don't get very far, do you? You know, they're, they're actually, to us, would be countless. Almost infinity, but they're not infinity. In other words, there's, there is a limited number of stars. And who knows that number? God. And not a one of them falls from the universe and, or explodes or ceases to be unless God wills it and God knows it. The Bible says that not a sparrow falls to the ground without the knowledge of God. How many sparrows do you reckon there are in this world? How many birds or varieties of birds are there in this world? And not a one of them leaves the, the hatches out of its egg and leaves the nest and flies away without the knowledge of God. Not a one of them perishes and falls to the ground and turns to dust without the knowledge of God. Not a one. Have you ever pondered? Have you ever uh, sat down in a park or at your yard and on a blanket or something and just looked at and got down at eye level with the, with the grass? And just pondered, how many blades of grass are in my yard? Have you ever tried to count those? You know, you're being ridiculous, Lee. But who, who do you think knows how many blades of grass are in your yard? And not a one of them perishes, except God knows it. How many trees, how many varieties of trees are there? And not a one of them falls to the ground that God doesn't know it. How many hairs are on your head? Some of you is not too hard to count, but others of you, it's a lot. And not a hair falls out of your head that God doesn't subtract it from the total. Not a new one sprouts forth that God doesn't add it to the total. The Bible says so. Now why would God be so concerned about that? Because He is the Creator God. He created everything out of nothing. He did it all by Himself. And He holds it all together without a single thing falling apart unless he decrees it. The Bible says not one is missing. Not one. He knows where everything is. I'm like the psalmist who said in Psalm 139 verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. 
It's high. I cannot attain it. I cannot explain that. Listen, if you try to explain that, you'll drive yourself mad. It just has to be accepted. The Bible says in Isaiah 42 verse 5, Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. Have you ever wondered, how many times a day do you take a breath? How many breaths do you breathe in a lifetime? Have you ever stopped to consider that God knows that number? you ever stopped to consider that God knows how many breaths you're going to take from the moment you take your first one to the moment you take your last one? And that God bothers to know that? Because He gave you every one, every inhale, every exhale He gave you is coming from Him because He's the sustaining God. The fact that you're breathing today is a testimony that you have been created and sustained by the Creator God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, Speaking of Jesus, through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything, and he holds all creation together. He holds it together. You may think this world's falling apart. No, it ain't. This world's not falling apart. If this world could fall apart, then God's not God. God's holding it all together. And He's in control. Revelation 4.11 reminds us that it's by God's will that these things exist and were created. So it took awesome, unfathomable power to create the world. But you know what else? Jeremiah 51.15 says, He established the world by His wisdom. It took awesome, unfathomable wisdom to create a perfect and complete heavens and earth. Psalm 104 verse 24 says, O Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom you've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Look at the variety around you. There's some people who are horticulturists. And they know how many, they know all, they don't know all of it, but they know a lot about flowers and plants and trees. But there's no one person that knows how all the variety of the flowers and the plants and the trees, all the variety of the animal kingdom. You look at the human body. How many of you have ever studied human anatomy in any, at any time? In biology or high school, we have some nurses, we have some doctors, we have other students here. You've studied that. You see how intricate our bodies are made. We're woven together. And how one organ is dependent upon every other system in our bodies to operate normally. Who did that? God, we believe God took a lump of clay and He formed it into a man. And He breathed the breath of life into Him. But yet when He did so, He designed in one fell swoop All the intricate systems of the human body. Explain that. It cannot be explained. Because it's the unfathomable wisdom of God. The Bible says in Psalm 136, To him who by wisdom made the heavens. Proverbs 3.19 says, By wisdom the Lord founded the earth. By understanding he created the heavens. You know, we can't figure out God. 
but the opposite of wisdom what would you say the opposite of wisdom is foolishness the fool has said in his heart there is no God there are plenty of people in this world who have more degrees than a thermometer and they think they're smart and maybe they are but they're fools because they're not wise. The Bible says in Proverbs 24-7, wisdom, this kind of wisdom, God's wisdom, is too lofty for a fool. You cannot figure God out. I want you to look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter, 7, chapter 1. And I'm going to read a good portion of that beginning with verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That is what we're talking about here today. The educated, secular world would consider us fools for believing it. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. In other words, you cannot come to know God by human wisdom and human reasoning. You cannot. If you're trying to figure God out and you're on a quest to discover God, you're on a losing journey. You will never discover God in your own human reasoning and wisdom. God designed it that way. But stay tuned. I'm going to show you at the very end of this message how you can know God. It pleased God that through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, he's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, he's foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And He's chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Paul continues, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I told the early service crowd this, this morning, if that's all you know, that's all you need to know. Jesus Christ, crucified for my sins. If you know that, 
and you've surrendered your life to him, that's all you need. I'm not mocking or, or, or discounting education, for I have education. But Paul says that's not, an, that's not enough. You're not going to get to heaven with your education. I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me get you to drop down to verse... Well, let me just um, keep reading. Paul says in verse 3, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now look at verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. That is, if you're try- in your own natural mind, if you're trying to figure God out, you're on a losing quest. You cannot do it. For the things of God are spiritual. And unless your spirit has been quickened, unless your spirit has been made alive by the power of God, you cannot understand the things of God. Chapter 3, verse 18, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. If you really want to be wise, trust Jesus Christ. You'll be considered a fool by everybody around you, but you will be Wise, And I'd rather be a fool to this world than a fool to God. Because if you die a fool to God, you face a devil's hell. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Verse 19, for with the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he crushes or he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they're futile. God in His wisdom. Awesome, unfathomable wisdom. And then the last phrase of Jeremiah 51, 15, He stretched out the heavens by His understanding. It took awesome, unfathomable understanding to create and complete a perfect heavens and earth. He stretched out the heavens by His understanding. The Bible says in Psalm 147 that His understanding is infinite. Infinite. You know what you are? You know what I am? Finite. You know what that means? Limited. I can only comprehend so much. My brain only has so much capacity. What is God though? Infinite. Infinity. There is no capacity of God. There is no limit. He has no boundaries. He has no edges. He has no ends. His understanding is infinite. Psalm 147, 5 again His understanding is beyond comprehension is how the New Living Translation puts it. Beyond our comprehension. Proverbs 3.19 says, By wisdom wisdom the Lord founded the earth. By understanding He created the heavens. Y'all love Isaiah 40.31 about the mounting up with wings as eagles? Back up to verse 28. It says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. There he is. He He doesn't get tired. His understanding is what? Unsearchable. And then 
It says in Romans 11.33 that his judgments are unsearchable and his ways are past finding out. You cannot figure God out. You cannot explain God. You cannot prove God. There's not enough capacity in the human mind to comprehend the almighty one and only God. If you were to take all the wisdom of this world, take all the wisdom from Adam to today, and all future wisdom, because we don't know how our technology and human knowledge is going to increase. But if you could take it all, and you could put it in one man, and that would be a smart dude, wouldn't it? But it wouldn't even scratch the surface of the infinite wisdom and understanding of our God. The humanity, humanity has no capacity to comprehend God. But many still think they're smarter than God. They think they can explain how all this came to be apart from God. And the Bible calls them a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool has no delight in understanding. He just wants to express his own heart, his own opinion. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.30, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. You hold up man's wisdom against God's wisdom. What does God say man's wisdom is? 1 Corinthians 1, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. There is no wisdom against God's wisdom. Ephesians 4.18, the reason they are like this, those are because their understanding is darkened, because they're alienated from the life of God, because ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. They're deceived. They are deceived. That's why we must pray for them. We must continue to share the truth with them. Whether they believe it or not, whether they reject it or not, whether they agree with you or not, we must continue to give the light of the word of God. Truth conquers error. Light conquers darkness. Do not be afraid. Do not be ashamed of the truth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, how then will they be saved? So, if God is so powerful and so wise and so understanding and we cannot figure him out, how can we know God? Let's go back to Hebrews 11.3. There's one phrase we haven't looked at yet. You remember that phrase? We looked at it backwards. The word of God. The, the world's were framed by the word of God. They were framed. And it says we understand. How do we understand? What's the first phrase of Hebrews 11.3? By faith. Not by wisdom. Not by human reasoning. Not by science. Not by proof. Not by explanation. Not by intellect. Not by any other form of human reasoning. Only by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man could boast. We accept God and His truth by faith, or we don't accept it at all. That is your choice this morning. 
to accept God by faith and His truth by faith and His Son who died on the cross and shed His blood for you by faith or you don't accept it at all. There is no middle ground. You don't casually remain neutral when it comes to the things of God. Jesus said, you're either for me or you are against me. He said, I have set before you today life and death. Choose life. You must come by faith. You see, remember our formula. I want to rehearse it again with you because this is what is happening in our world. It's happening around you. Are you paying attention? Here's what's happening. People are rejecting God. And what happens when you reject God? You believe the lie. And when you reject God and believe the lie, what then happens? You get a darkened, debased mind and understanding that cannot understand God. And then if you reject God and believe the lie and have a debased, darkened mind, then you gain an unrepentant, hardened heart that can no longer even be saved. You say, is that truth, preacher? Romans 1, Proverbs 1 It's in the Bible. I've just put these formulas together for you to see it. All the scripture. And that's the risk that people who reject God are running. Is leading themselves to hell. And that's why what we believe and what is found in this word, we must stand on and we must proclaim and speak the truth in love no matter how unpopular it becomes it's going to get more unpopular. The Bible promises it will. It says there will come a time in the last days that men will not tolerate those who speak the truth. They will want to heap to themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear, who will itch, scratch their itching ears. Let's make sure we're not in that crowd. Do you want to know God? Give up science. Give up your mind. Give up your education. Give up any form of human reason. Give up your intellect. A verse of scripture that God has been hammering home to me in the last couple of weeks. It keeps coming up over and over. It's even the verse of the day uh, this week on the Bible app. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. You can cling to your intellect. You can cling to your human reasoning and wisdom and understanding, but you will lose your soul if you don't accept Christ by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God. You must believe, verse Hebrews eleven six. 6, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Would you come by faith this morning? John Wesley. John and Charles Wesley were very prominent preachers and our early great awakenings in this nation. John Wesley said this, Give me a worm that can understand a man and I'll give you a man who can understand God. But you know, God wants you to know him, even though you can't understand him. 
How do you know him? Listen to what Jesus said. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and you've revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. How can you know God? By faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way you'll ever know God. It's the only way you'll ever know this awesome creator, the one true God. The way to him is one way, Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Have you come to Jesus? Interesting, that passage I just read is Matthew 11. 25, 26, and 27. The very next phrase you would recognize. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The soul is only at rest when it comes to Jesus by faith. Your search will be over. Your longings fulfilled. Your desires met. Would you bow with me this morning? Have you come to Jesus by faith? Do you know